0: I've been doing Bible studies for the last couple of mornings I'm unearthed the hour of the morning and I'm just taking Hebrew words and looking at all the different ways in which they're used in the Bible and it's amazing what different meanings they all have. I released a load of stuff on Ruach last week, The Deep Rest of the Lord, but there's another lot to come which means coming completely different from Ruach. Ruach, which you all know means breath, wind or spirit of God, also means the understanding or the mind or, wait for it, God's anger. The whole wealth of meanings within one word, which we may not have known. I just love words. It's so good to be exploring them and getting to the, getting to the bottom of them, as it were. And the Lord got me up today and robbed me of rest at <laughs> half past five in order that I should write a talk on rest. <laughs> which I've done with great joy and I hope it'll bless you because it's very simple and if you feel like sort of breaking it up a bit because it's going on a bit well, you know, let's sing, let's party let's do anything else in the middle of it and break it up, that's fine stand at the crossroads and look ask for the ancient paths ask where the good way is and walk in it and you will find rest for your souls And I think that's so important because there's an antichrist spirit abroad that is trying to rob us of rest. The pressure of modern life is leading many individually, but also at a corporate scale, to develop a sort of chronic fatigue syndrome. It's pushing the nation to a kind of corporate nervous breakdown. It's debilitating and much of the church is in danger of becoming chronically fatigued. And so I feel, Jackie, here's a verse that says what the Lord said to you on the way up today. Hebrews four nine. there remains then a Sabbath rest for the people of God. For anyone who enters God's rest, rests from his own work, just as God did from his. Let us therefore make every effort to enter that rest, so that no one will fall by following their example of disobedience. I love this sort of paradox that scripture is so full of. You know, strive to enter the rest. It sounds like a paradox. sounds like a contradiction. But as so often with the Lord, it's simply a paradox, and we have to learn to embrace the paradox and respond to both ends of the spectrum. There's a time not to rest when the Lord says, get up on the ramparts and pray hard, work hard, do hard, shove hard. There's a battle on, fight hard. And there's another time, like he's saying to us today, the words that we've had from Nancy, um, from Jackie, from others, when he's saying, come apart and rest a while. Mark 6.31, come with me by yourselves to a quiet place and get some rest. Or the same version in Matthew 28.11, come to me all you who are weary and burdened and I'll give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me for I am gentle and humble in heart and you will find rest for your souls. And we'll take hold of that invitation. But think again of the paradox that normally, when you want something, you go to do something to make you feel better. You go to the fridge. You go to the DVD shop. You go to the newsagents in search of chocolates. You go to the garden. You go to the TV. But Jesus invites us to come. Say it, that word, in different languages. Veni. Who can say it in Welsh? Come. Let's hear it, let's speak it out. Come. The invitation of the Lord. It's it's not coming as a reward for having done particularly well, but simply because we're weary and burdened. And I felt the Lord saying that so clearly that there's a lot of us here in that category. Hands up. <laughs> yes, <laughs> absolutely. And the reward for coming isn't fame or prestige or anything else, power, what have you. It is simply Rest, and I love that Hebrew word nuach, you know, the deep soothing rest of the Lord. It's a beautiful invitation, and the depressed and anxious would give anything to have that rest of heart and soul, rest from troublesome thoughts, compulsive longings and urges. Only God can give that quality of heart rest, and he's willing and eager to share it. And so we pray, Lord, let my heart be true, renewed. Let your rest fill our souls. Thank you that you're inviting us to come and you welcome us as we do so. Thank you that when you'd finished creating the world, the world experienced a holy hush and there was stillness from activity and you blessed the seventh day and made it holy. And the Sabbath is the first thing in all recorded history that was ever declared holy. Isaiah 11 verse 10, Isaiah is talking about Jesus. In that day the root of Jesse will stand as a banner for the peoples. The nation will rally to him, and his place of rest will be glorious. I love that phrase. May it be truer of our distracted hearts His place of rest. We needed a a, a name for the house that we're going to be, God willing, getting soon. We inherited the last names. Ruark, a ten-year-old house, previously named. The Rock, previously named. Speaking of the opposite ends of the spectrum, the word and the spirit, which have to go in perfect tandem and balance, we needed a name for the new house. So we looked up the Hebrew word for settled. My actual intention was to find the Hebrew for done roaming. (laughs) And I read out four wonderful words, all of which would do, but they didn't make much of a sound, of, it didn't really sound like a name of a house. The nearest I could find, and I like it, is Makon. And it means the settled dwelling place of God. Isn't that lovely? Or a fixed base. Whoa! <laughs> <laughs> Well, we can't count any chickens because we ain't in yet and there's still a bit of negotiating to do and all the rest of it. But anyway, we're on our way. Here's one of my favorite verses in the Bible. It's from Jeremiah 17. A glorious throne exalted from the beginning is the place of our sanctuary. I love that. And, um, you know, the Lord's throne, a glorious throne exalted from the beginning is the place of our sanctuary. The Jews often got that the wrong way round, and they put all the emphasis on the sanctuary. And as it were, they worshiped the temple of the Lord instead of the Lord of the temple. They got it the wrong way around. It's being before the throne of grace that harmony and peace comes to the soul. And we can get it the right way around because he is the spring of living water. And it's the fixed center of the universe. And it's the place where our batteries get recharged. And when we rest, you must have found this. God sneaks up on the blind side, doesn't he? And he sneaks in words faster than we can get our warp shields up to keep him out. And that perspective of the Lord is worth anything. So Jesus sits down to chat with a Samaritan woman, which you don't do, but nobody had told him. And there he was talking, and she comes to him, and then a host of other villagers comes to him. And all he was doing was sitting down to have a drink at a well. So it's so good to come to the well, to stand at the crossroads and look. And to ask for the ancient paths. And for you personally to explore and find out where your good way is. And to walk in that. And not to walk in the expectations of others. And you will find rest for your souls. It's incredible. Uh, Friendship is normally between two equals, isn't it, more or less? And here we are separated by a million miles of everything between the Lord and us. But him wanting to be absolutely at the centre of our life. And that's not being idle in any sense. It's learning to take time out with him and his spirit flowing more freely through us. For the lamb at the centre of the throne will be their shepherd. He will lead them to springs of living water. Well, well, well. A, there are a number of different types of well. I'm told, and as you all know, the earth is made up of several layers of earth and rock, one on top of each other. And at the first layer, you may find a, a shallow well when you get through a little bit of soil and rock, and usually it'll be quite contaminated and it'll have bugs in and germs. And when the rain comes, the water goes underground. And it hits a layer of hard rock. And where the hard rock is exposed, the water can overflow and become a spring. In this incredible springy old weather we've had in winter, um, I was out for a walk. And I suddenly saw in our local Malvern Common Park a spring being born. It was amazing. It hadn't been there the day before. One foot ahead of it, it didn't exist. But right there, out of the earth, a spring had emerged, bubbling up. It was so beautiful. It was lovely. Yeah, really beautiful. And for those of you who are feeling like Job did, I have no peace, no quietness, I have no rest, but only turmoil. Yeah, and you're indulging in a rich diet of the poms, the poor old me's. May the Lord help us to get into that well place where the spring begins to spring up in us. I think at a subconscious level... Even those of us who are quite experienced in seeking God, we trot out the same sort of arguments that people use against tithing or anything else and say to ourselves, well, if we take a day out to rest, all the other matters we need to attend to won't get sorted. And it's a great chest of do we believe that God can provide in six days all that's needed for seven? And you all know what I'm thinking of with the manna in the wilderness when the Lord doubled the dose on the Friday so the Saturday would come out double. Now, during the Second World War, the government was desperate to get the war effort up, so it experimented with every combination possible. Ten days on, working, and two days off. Seven days on, and no days off. And it found, surprise, surprise, that when people did that, no more was produced because people simply got tired and started working more slowly. They ended up discovering that the best and most productive discovery was six days on and one day off. Back to maker's instructions, what a surprise! six days alone you shall labor Exodus 34:21 but on the seventh you shall rest even during the plowing season and the harvest you must rest and it was such an important principle the lord was highlighting there that the penalties for it in Exodus 31:14 to 15 are quite a shock and it's still the same today in a totally different way that for lack of space in which to renew our hearts and minds and spirits, we wear out prematurely. We end up ministering out of exhausted emotions rather than the living water of the spirit. We've all known it, haven't we? If we can get down to the first layer through the rock, we've got some water flowing into us. Let's go another layer down, though, through the hard rock, and you come to bowls where the water collects. And into that, you can lower a bucket. And these are deep wells where the water is pure. And it's got a much more satisfying taste. Uh, We love to use more than spring water. It's great. Uh, Much fresher than tap water. Free. Underneath that layer of rock is solid ground where there are no bowls where water can gather. And if we are persistent and bore through we may eventually come to another layer of water, which is called artesian wells. And here the water is gushing out powerfully, like streams of living water hurling into the air. No need for a bucket at all. The pressure is so great. It just comes gushing up. And Jesus said, whoever believes in me, as the scripture has said, streams of artesian water will flow from within him. John seven thirty-eight. I like that one. You know, um, they say that executives would do their best work if they worked 165 days a year. But for some odd reason, most companies don't put that to the test. (laughs) They wouldn't be prepared to part with their director's services for that amount of time, whereas, in fact, they'd benefit if they allowed him or her to peak for those 165 days a year. It's an interesting link, isn't it, between creativity and rest – and therefore between rest and success. We need time, you see, to ponder the meaning of events, the things that happen, rather than just pressing on to experience the next experience. We're overstretched. But Jesus says, don't work for food that spoils, but for food that endures to eternal life, which the Son of Man will give you. On him, God the Father has placed his seal of approval. Now, if we keep on digging again below even the level of artesian wells, what might we come to? (coughs) Oil. Isn't it amazing that God's recycled the world's flora in such creative ways? Black gold. I wonder what oil speaks of to you. Anybody like to venture? I'm not talking about Esso. Okay, Linda says blocked ears olive oil. That's a good one. Lord, piles of olive oil in our ears. I'm to that. Fuel for energy. I'm to that. I once saw I once saw a bumblebee that had run out of energy and we just fed it a little bit of sugar and instantly it was flying beautifully. I often feel like bumblebees. <laughs> L- light, yes, absolutely. Roman uh, ca- candle things needing, absolutely, needing oil, absolutely. Anointing, Anointing oil, amen to that. Wealth. Wealth, yes, indeed. Heat, amen. I'm sure somebody's thinking of Zechariah too with the oil that comes from the lampstands. Power, amen. Yeah, the essence of all that's good. Yeah, it's worth getting down to this level, isn't it? Because, you know, we sing, or we used to sing, give me oil in my lamp, keep me burning. What are we actually praying for? What are we singing? It's nice to explore it in this way. Lubrication, Lubrication is absolutely vital. WD-40 was so called cold, because they had to develop a, a type of oil that would release um, uh, instruments that had got completely... Implements that had got completely seized up, and they wanted a lighter oil than usual. And it was the War Cabinet, the War Department, that um, uh, asked for it in 1940. And uh, so, of course, they called it War Department 1940 WD40. More WD40, please, Lord. (laughs) We squeak. We (laughs) derust us, Lord. I disagree with Luther on this point. You know, he he said. um, uh, he said, Ruhe ich so ich. if I rest, I rust. I disagree with that profoundly. If we rest, the oil of the Lord touches us and lubricates us. There's a kind of work ethic that can actually from the Protestant side and the Catholic side, that can actually and the Thatcher side, which can actually do us no good at all. It can it can push us into overdrive as a nation. Help us, Lord, not to Roster, to Rust, but to ru, to rest in you. Stillen, lovely word. It sounds like to be still, but it actually means to breastfeed in German. Stillen. Yeah, let's draw close to the Lord. Lovely. Oil. Anything else finally on oil? The widow's cruise. The supply of the Lord was in Judas Maccabee's days that the lamp oil kept going for eight days when there was only a supply for one day? There, absolutely, the Lord's renewal. that The Lord has calibrated the needs of the world, and so he will make sure that it lasts as long as it needs to until we think of some, some other way of propelling our horseless carriages. Who'd like to pray through these layers? Should we do it all at one go or we'll come back to it and pray for the oil layer? Would we'll be good. Yeah, we'll do it all in one go at the end when we can pray about the artesian wells, where the wells have got blocked. We'll pray at the oil level because there's one more level down to go to, and you all know what that is, the molten core of the earth, which is fire (laughs) in large dollops. (laughs) And how much better if we can let out the stuff that's burning in our hearts in the wrong sense bit by bit so it doesn't build up and come out with one heck of a volcanic bang. The Fire of the Lord is a wonderful sermon in its uh, its own right, and I'd love to have done that one, but I'm not going to, because it's a different layer altogether. But, you know... um you may be aware of all sorts of fires burning in your heart it's not the immediate image that would spring to mind when considering rest but revelation 318 says i counsel you to buy from me gold refined in the fire so you can become rich and white clothes to wear so you can cover your shameful nakedness and salve to put on your eyes so you can see and then it goes on to say I've done a spelling typo here. It says, actually, I've written, and then it goes on to sway. Uh, Those whom I love, I rebuke and discipline. That's certainly part of the work of the fire of God, isn't it? And we've all experienced that at work in all sorts of ways. But let's pray for the fire of God. Anyone want to just speak out something to do with an image of the fire of God burning in your heart? It would be helpful to share steadily on fire not sort of peaks and troughing that's absolutely lovely Lena. you share that lovely thing you had a picture for us just before we moved to Malvern do you remember it was about a fire you were outside a fire shop in Malvern shall I share it for you (laughs) Yeah, bless you. You'd very kindly gone over to Malvern to prepare the way for Ros and I going into Malvern. And you you stood outside a shop with a fire, and the Lord drew your attention to it. And they said, they will get a warm welcome there. (laughs) That was very precious, just over a year ago. And wonderful to say, we're not moving on out of Malvern, for which we're very grateful. It's the Zechariah image, isn't it, of being surrounded by walls of fire in a very helpful way. Yeah. And the sheer scale, I mean, God isn't afraid of fire, is he? I mean, you know, when you think of the scale of the sun compared with the earth. And then I once put up on a PowerPoint thing that the scale of the sun compared with Arcturus and other stars. And that makes the sun as small as the earth is to the sun. He's not afraid of fire. (laughs) It's incredible. And yet he's prepared to come down and tabernacle with us at a very small, meaningful and deep level. It really is incredible. That's lovely, Rona. I'll say that again for the benefit of the um, recording, actually, that there was a river of fire, and people were being invited to come in and join it, but a lot of people were actually choosing just to watch. And those who were coming out were coming out with a lot of tools and things that were to be able to use at a new level. And I think when we do first get in the fire, we underestimate the temperature of sanctification. And so we then begin to feel, this isn't fair, I'm being tested here, um, more strongly perhaps than is comfortable and we look at other people at that point and think their lives are sleek and slick in comparison and we feel oh well, this isn't fair but actually the lord's answering our own prayer and our own willingness to get into the fire and it all comes back to this revelation 318 quote again doesn't it this is the lord's preference i counsel you to go into the gold walkway as it were the place where the fire is to be refined in the fire so you can become rich that's amazing isn't it and then i suppose that ties in with the discipline which i mentioned you know those whom i love are rebuke and discipline because what else does the lord jesus offer to the weary and heavy laden from that passage in matthew answer a nice good yoke to wear It looks at first sight like the Lord adding to our burdens, adding affliction to the afflicted. A yoke, as you all know, is a heavy wooden harness that fits over the shoulders of an ox. It sounds about as attractive as wearing a ball and chain to help you run faster. The key word, of course, is my yoke. Because some of us, all of us to some extent, wear already yokes consisting of our own or other people's expectations. Much better if we can wear the yoke of the Lord. And the yoke that he has considered in mind for us takes account of our particular unique personalities, temperaments, gifts, uh, abilities, uh, resilience, and so on. So in other words, we could say the yoke will fit because the yoke is like a metaphor for our specific calling. It's made to measure. And it won't look like each other's. And we can get ourselves terribly bunched up because we don't have the opportunities, giftings or outworkings of another. We can get ourselves into all kinds of twaddle at that point. And there are certain constraints in wearing a yoke. It's right to acknowledge that. But it's always important to remember that the yoke helps the ox to do its work more effectively. And that's why it's important to tell the Lord how we're feeling as we go through the process of the fire and to recognize that there will be times when we're not handling it aright and not fully realizing that it's a yoke that is lined with love. That was Matthew Henry's expression, isn't it beautiful? It's a yoke lined with love. And I think there was an emphasis in the words that came earlier this morning that was really saying that. And encouraging us to believe it. If in any way we've drifted into unbelief over the nature and quality of the type of yoke that it is the Lord's given us. And as Matthew Henry goes on he says. The love of God and the hope of heaven will make it easy. Which is why Paul could call his extraordinarily deep sufferings light. Wow. Because when afflictions abound so too do consolations in the school of of his spirit and so I'm going to suggest that we do a couple of meditations now the first one is a general one and then I'll come back to the second one in a moment but the first one one—it's a lovely picture just imagine that you're reclining at the table uh, at the last supper with the Lord Jesus and you've got your head on Jesus's chest like John had imagine that you're lying there quietly talking to him what would you say to him and what would he say to you and if you find and feel that your yoke is chaffing a bit at the moment, tell him, talk it over with him. If anybody feels a strong desire to play yoke-fitting music in the spirit while this is doing done, that's fine. But we're just going to snuggle up to the Lord at the moment on this one and really talk very intimately with him about this. It's a privileged place that we're in. David said, on my bed, I think of you, I meditate on you. That's quite an achievement because in all those years on the run, he rarely spent two nights in the same bed. Great ability to find the Lord wherever he was despite pressing circumstances. That's real maturity. Letting the new ark of God reach down to touch, to soothe in the midst of much confusion. Great achievement.